We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always for locking in, whether you're checking this out on video, on YouTube, you are, please make sure that you subscribe, like, comment, helps us grow uh, this podcast. And of course, to everyone out there who is listening on the audio side, I appreciate you very much. Uh, Today is Monday, August 28th, taping this real late on Sunday night. Solo episode, not going to be long, three uh, primary segments, then I'll get you out of here. Segment one, I'm going to tell you who I think, in my personal opinion anyway, who has been the MVP and the LVP of Buffalo Bills, not just Saturday's game against Chicago, but throughout the summer, talking training camp, all three preseason games. I got a Bills MVP and LVP from this summer um, up to this point. And by MVP, LVP, I'm talking about a player, not necessarily the best player in camp or the preseason or the worst, but players who have on one side, who's somebody who played very, very well practice and the games and somebody who I think really elevated their stock with this team. And then on the other side, the LVP, um, I got a player who I feel his play was sporadic. And as a result, I think his stock was hurt maybe more uh, than anyone else on this team. So that'll be a segment. I'm going to have four winners and four losers, primarily from Chicago's preseason game on Saturday. Of course, a uh, a Bills victory to end the preseason. Four winners, four losers, mostly from that game, but a little bit for the, the preseason in totality. And then at the very end, I'm going to take a quick stab, but again, this won't be long, at my 53-man Buffalo Bills roster projection. I know pretty much anybody with a podcast or anybody with a blog or anybody on Twitter is doing these projections, and I know they can get a little uh, tiresome to look at, but I'm going to throw mine in there. Not a lot of big surprises, maybe one small surprise, uh, maybe. But anyway, we'll go over that, and I know as I drop this podcast and people 
hopefully are going to hear it on Monday. Not going to have much of a shelf life because by sometime on Monday, we'll know a lot of bills cut. Some have already come in. And certainly by Tuesday, by 4 p.m. is the uh, deadline. So we will definitely know the bill's initial 53-man roster um, at that time. Which, by the way, I will be taping a show late Tuesday night with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. On the video side, that'll be up late Tuesday. Podcast side, that will be uh, out Wednesday morning. And we will recap what the Bills do over these next 24 to 48 hours to come up with their at least initial 53-man roster. I want to make sure I say initial because I can almost bet that some players who get cut might be brought back almost immediately, almost like paper transactions. Uh, they might make a couple moves after the initial 53. So just because you make the 53-man roster initially doesn't mean you're going to be wearing a Buffalo Bills uniform and suiting up um, in week one in New Jersey, I guess in New York, just on Monday Night Football. So anyway, that's today's show. Um, I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I had a, a fun weekend watching the Bills game. I had a fantasy football draft, in fact, at my house, and it was perfect timing. People came over for the draft, uh, watched the Bills game, at least the first like two and a half quarters live, saw what I needed to see, and then flipped on the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame is my college squad. They looked really good, beating Navy. And then on Sunday morning, got up, had my cup of coffee, and I rewatched the Bills game and, and took down some notes just so I'd be prepared to uh, talk to you all today. So anyway, without further ado, let me just jump right into this. Like I said, I have an MVP and an LVP, not just from Saturday's game, but the entire preseason and also training camp, all that mixed in. Um, let's start with the good, and that is my Buffalo Bills, we'll call it summer or summer MVP right now. To me, it's a wide receiver, a guy who may or may not even be starting right now, but just somebody who has impressed the living hell out of me um, pretty much since the first time I've seen him in training camp. Been the five practices before the preseason. I was very impressed with him during training camp, and I was very impressed with him during the preseason as well. I am talking about free agent signing. Trent Sherfield, I really like this kid a lot. And after watching him play throughout the preseason in camp, I have full confidence in him right now. And whether he's starting in the slot when the Bills have three wide receivers, if they're not playing 12 personnel, I still think we'll see plenty of three wide receiver sets. I think at this point, he's earned the right to be that starting slot guy right now. I've been very impressed with him. So he could play in the slot. He also is step into either outside position, maybe to give Stephon Diggs a blow or Gabe Davis a blow, or he could be, again, be starting in that three-wide receiver set. He could be a boundary receiver because he's capable of playing the boundary or the slot, and you could bump Stephon Diggs into the slot. You could do a lot of things there. But even if he's not starting at the slot or if they're playing two tight ends, like I said, if Gabe Davis or Stephon Diggs or something happens to them, they need a blow, whatever it may be. I have a lot of faith that Trent Sherfield could step in and do a good job, whether he's out there as a starter or whether he's out there as a reserve. I feel like the drop-off isn't going to be horrible. I think he is a very big upgrade from last year and then say guys like primarily like Jake Kumaro. Before Jake Kumaro got hurt, he was that backup boundary guy. Like if something happened to Stefan or, or to Gabe, it would be Jake Kumaro who would come in. I think Trent Sherfield is a significant step up. Um, had a couple of really nice catches during the preseason. He could play the boundary, he could play the slot, a very good blocker. He can contribute on special teams. 
A lot of these things we heard about when he came over from Miami. And I still remember when he signed with the Bills, some of the reaction from a few Miami players, uh, particularly Tyreek Hill, they were not happy to lose Trent Shurfield and especially to uh, the Buffalo Bills. Anyway, we heard about that before camp. Um, he looked really good early on at OTAs. Josh Allen was raving about him. Now, to some extent, it was kind of like the Trent's benefit a little bit that uh, Stefan Diggs held out and, and didn't participate in OTAs. It kind of gave Trent a chance to build up a little bit of a on-field and maybe off-field chemistry uh, with Josh. And I feel like that continued for sure into the summer. And like I said, the preseason, um, I think his stock's high. I'm really high on him. And all the stuff that we thought about him, we heard good things about him. And at least in these eyes anyway, watching him in practice and watching him throughout the preseason, uh, I, I feel like it's definitely been earned. So so he is my MVP of the summer. And on the other side, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, and I don't blame you because I don't like saying it. But I mean, and there are a couple of nominees too, by the way. I mean, it could easily went right tackle or middle linebacker. But for me, the LVP of uh, Bill's camp in, in the preseason has been Kyrie Elam. And I say that because, look, he simply did not take advantage of an opportunity to become a starter this summer. It was never going to be handed to him, nor should it. Just because he was a first-round pick last year, he should not have been earned the cornerback two job alongside Trey White. Didn't happen last year. In fact, he was beat out at camp as a rookie by Christian Benford. A very rocky freshman season for Kyrie Lone last year. But it's weird because, you know, I thought he played pretty well near the end of the season. And I keep, I know I've said this ad nauseum on the show, but I'm going to say it again. I remember something about that Bengals game, the playoff embarrassing loss. And I remember saying many, many times watching the game, I'm like, Matt Milano and Kyrie Elam were the only two guys on defense to bother to show up that game. And because of that, I feel I was high on Kyrie Elam going into this offseason. And I thought that management was too, but clearly that wasn't the case. And we heard all winter long, you know, that it's going to be a competition. And I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. I really, truly thought Kyrie Elam. Was going to step into camp, and within maybe a week, 10 days maximum before camp broke, he would be that CB2 next to Trey White. And it just didn't happen. Just wildly inconsistent. And you don't got to be, look, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to cover this team for a living. Uh, you don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to have, you know, you don't have to be a beat writer for the team. All you had to do is be a fan in a 10 practice at St. John's Fisher. Because it would be, if you, if you paid attention, if you locked in on Kyrie Elam, it would be maddening. I remember a three-day stretch. I went to three practices over the course of four days. One day, I thought he was terrible. I mean, he was just getting beat like crazy. Receivers, especially Diggs, were getting mad at him because it felt like every time they were running a route, Kyrie Elam was grabbing him. It was like defensive holding every other play. Uh, he looked lost in a couple schemes, a couple coverages. It was just really frustrating to watch because I was looking at him specifically. Then I remember going to practice the next day and he looked great. He was going one-on-one, head-to-head on one-on-ones with Stefan Diggs and holding his own. I mean, Stefan Diggs was making catches during his drills, but 
I mean, let's be real here. Who's Stefan Diggs not going to make catches against pretty much any corner around the NFL in these one-on-one drills? Stefan's just that good of a player. Plus, these drills are advantageous always to the wide receiver. But anyway, Elam was sticking on him like glue. There was one rep, and I've said this before on the show. I remember it because uh, the seventh-round pick, Austin, was lined up against Diggs, and Elam pretty much grabbed him, pushed him off to the side because he wanted a piece of Stefan on that rep. They were jawing at each other, going at it, a very spirited practice. Elam looked really good. And that was, like I said, I left practice that day being like, all right, man, I think this guy's kind of got his shit together. Here we go. Here's the Kyrie Elam that we're waiting for. And then the very, not the next day because I missed that, but two days later I went and it was back to what I saw the first time. Just inconsistent, wild play, holding, grabbing. And it's cool to be physical, but I mean, he was just, it was clear that he was committing penalties all over the field. And again, Stefan was going at him, mainly complaining. And I'm sure Stefan was right about not getting, you know, or no, these should be defensive holding or pass interference calls. Anyway, goes into preseason, just doesn't impress. I can't think there were three preseason games. I don't know a game where Kyler really looked good. And then I'm like, all right, well, this is Dane Jackson's job again. Dane Jackson is the new Levi Wallace. I kept saying that for the last three weeks. And that changed over this past week, which we'll get into in just a few few minutes here. But it wasn't Kyle Elam who took the reins. It was another. It was Christian Benford. I mean, let's just spoil it right now. Christian Benford probably is your CB2. If he's not, he's definitely in the mix. And you know who's not in the mix right now? Kyrie Elam. Kyrie Elam's not going to get cut. I don't think he's going to be cut. I'd be shocked if he got cut. I don't know if Kyrie Elam's going to get traded because I think the value is going to be low. The Bills would have to sell really, really low right now. And I don't know that you want to do that. You don't want to give up on the guy too quick, especially if you're not going to get any kind of real value in return for a guy that you just drafted in the first round, like literally a year or so ago. But right now, as things stand, Kyrie Elam is CB4. And I'm talking about the boundary corners. I'm not even counting Teron Johnson. Teron Johnson's your starting, you know, your nickel guy. No way, fans and butts. Talk about the outside guys, the boundary guys. Right now, you got Trey White, and then you got Benford or Jackson. Take your pick. And then you got Kyrie Elam is your fourth boundary corner. And you know what that probably equates to right now? Probably equates to Kyrie Elam not dressing. Like if the Bills were to play the New York Jets tomorrow and open the season on Monday Night Football, I almost almost be willing to bet that Kyrie Elam is a game day inactive. You only keep 46. I know there's a 53-man roster, but remember this, folks, 46 dress on game day. And I think he would be out right now. And it's not fun to say. It sucks to talk about a guy who was drafted in the first round in just 2022 and you know, be in the fourth corner at the end of your second camp in the NFL. I feel like at this point, he is now like officially uh, in legitimate jeopardy of uh, becoming a first round bust. Is it too early to call him a bust? Yeah, it is too early to call him a bust. Things could change. But I think it's fair to say they don't look real good. And uh, he's well on his way. And by that, I mean, well, on his way to being a bust. So for that reason, I have him with a couple other contenders for sure. Um, Kyrie Elam is my 
Buffalo Bills summer LVP. Um, as for winners and losers, actually, you know what? Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to take a real quick break. I'm going to come back. And then I got four winners and four losers. And after that, we'll do a little uh, roster projection. Bills 53 man as well. So stick around. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I am back here. Thank you again for tuning in to Talk of Buffalo today. Like I said, I'm going to have um, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings on Wednesday's show, live from Imperial. I should have said this at the very top. My guy, Matt Perino, is going to be joining me. So another episode of the Live from Imperial, and by Imperial, I mean, of course, Imperial Pizza. Uh, Matt Perino is going to be there with me. Um, we'll be coming up around, say, 7.30 on Thursday night. So if you happen to be in the South Buffalo area, you want to stop up, hang out with Matt for a while. We're going to be up there shooting the shit with some fans, um, hanging out some wings, some pizza. I love Imperial Pizza. And then we'll be taping the show probably around 8 o'clock, 8.15. And that will be live streamed for people on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, and on uh, Twitter as well. So uh, make sure you look for that Thursday night. But anyway, like I said, I have four winners, four losers, primarily from this victory over Chicago on Saturday, but kind of like for the preseason uh, in general. I want to start on the winning side. Um, pretty clear-cut, easy one for me here. I'm going with Osiris Torrance. I think for a third straight game, he, at a minimum, held his own. And we've said this many times on this show. You hear it all the time with offensive linemen. If you don't hear a guy's name often, he's usually doing his job. And I feel like that's what Osiris Torrance has done over these first three preseason games, all three of them. Has he been spectacular? Has he been pancaking guys all over the place? No, but he's done his job. He's been adequate. He looks really good for a rookie. He looks composed. He looks poised. Uh, the speed of the game doesn't feel too fast for him. These, these opponents don't feel like they're too big for him. I, I've been very impressed with him. I think this at one time was a legitimate 
competition between him and Ryan Bates to start at right guard. I feel like uh, Bill's management wanted Osiris Torrance to win the job, as they should. I mean, you draft the guy in the second round, but they weren't going to hand it to him. They were going to make him earn it. And to his credit, he did earn it. Um, they haven't made it official yet, but make no mistakes about it. Osiris Torrance is your starting right guard for the Buffalo Bills going into this season. So I definitely have him uh, as a winner. Flip side, loser, Kyle Allen. Um, he pretty much minus one drive played the entire game on Saturday. Stats were, yeah, okay. What, 18 to 34, buck 62. A really nice touchdown, but a really ugly interception. And I mean a bad one. I, through the summer, through practices, through pre, three preseason opportunities, just haven't seen anywhere near enough from Kyle Allen to feel good about him going into the season as the Bills' primary backup quarterback to Josh Allen. Now look, if Josh goes down with a significant major injury, not really going to matter too much who the backup is out there. There's not a lot of great backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So the Bills are doomed if Josh Allen suffers a major injury. But I'm not saying anything about the Bills that I won't say about if Patrick Mahomes goes down, if Joe Burrow goes down, if Justin Herbert goes down, if Lamar Jackson goes down. Those teams are all going to meet the same exact fate. And Josh Allen has been, you know, for all the hits he plays, for the crazy way that he plays football, all the crazy hits he takes, started 71 straight games. So that's good. He's, dur he's a durable dude. He, he, it's scary because of the way he plays, but he's a durable guy. But anyway, forget about the, the, you know, the catastrophic injury to Josh Allen in the season ending. What happens if something goes down and, and he's got to miss two to three games? I just don't feel like Kyle Allen has showed us in any way that you could feel comfortable about him being able to take over the offense for one, two, three games and for the offense to even be reasonably well with him under center. I just don't see it. I don't know what they're going to do. I know Trey Lance, reportedly the Bills at least made an offer for Trey Lance that tells me, assuming that report is true, that they're definitely fishing around. And based on what we saw from Kyle Allen this summer and in three preseason games, and especially against Chicago, I feel like Brandon Bean should be sniffing around right now trying to see uh, what he can come up with. On the winning side again, you know what I'm going to go? I'm going to tell you what. And now this is based on this game almost exclusively. I like Spencer Brown. I like the way Spencer Brown played against the, um, I don't know why I want to keep saying the Ravens, against the Chicago Bears on Saturday. Yeah, I said it. I like Spencer Brown. I liked his game on Saturday. I think maybe he's become a little bit, a little bit of a whipping boy because the Bills didn't really provide any competition for him. And by really, I mean, they literally provided no direct competition for him at right tackle. And he did not look good at all against Pittsburgh. But you know what? Nobody, sh nobody showed up last week against Pittsburgh. So it would be unfair to single out um, Spencer Brown. Am I convinced that he's going to be a very good right tackle? Nah, not at this point. But he could still grow. I, I feel like maybe Sp uh, Spencer Brown has not hit his ceiling yet. Um, I don't know. I just, I like the way he looked. And, you know, I'm always beating up this guy. I'm always looking for, and probably looking for reasons to beat him up. But I got to give uh, credit where he's due, where it's due. I thought he played well against Chicago, so he's going to earn that winner spot for me. Loser, um, Bale Inspector, 
Not anything specifically he did. He got hurt, and he's probably going to be out for several weeks. Um, I think he's in big danger of either getting cut or being put on IR. Um, you know, he went into camp uh, supposedly on uh, part of a, a three-headed uh, horse race for that starting middle linebacker job. Worked with the ones one day, and that was it. So I don't know if it's just a lack of opportunity in his case. I don't know if he just simply didn't take advantage when he did have opportunities. Not sure what it is, but there's something in him that the Bills staff, that, that Sean McDermott and the coaches um, didn't love about him because he fell off pretty quick in a competition for a position that has some pretty weak candidates, quite frankly. So anyway, that combined with the injury that he suffered on Saturday, which sucks, um, I, I think he clearly falls into that loser category. Flip side again, winner, big time, uh, Christian Benford. I tell you what, I was surprised that he started on Saturday. I don't know if you knew he was going to start, but I didn't. I thought for sure this comp CB2 competition was a wrap, and I thought Dane Jackson ran away with it. And uh, I was really surprised to see Benford out there, which is nice because it was kind of a reward. I thought he played pretty well against Pittsburgh. He's had some really good practices. Um, it was nice to see him go out with the ones. He made a nice defensive play. He looked good. Uh, he had a nice open field hit, too, on uh, Chicago quarterback Justin Fields. Played really well. And uh, Sean McDermott hasn't, as of this taping anyway, hasn't named the starter. But what I thought was Dane Jackson's job, I now think is Christian Benford's job. And I'll tell you, circling back to Kyrie Elam real quick, it sucks to have a first-round pick who's getting buried in the depth chart. And I got to get, I think it was Anthony Marino. I got to give him some props, man, because he said, no, you would have to go back to 2006, but Benford to Elam might become what Kyle Williams was to John McCargo. And what he meant by that was back in 2006, the Bills moved up, I believe, too, in the first round, and they took a defensive tackle, John McCargo, from NC State. And then in the fifth round, they drafted a very unheralded Kyle Williams. And of course, the rest is history. Kyle Williams outplayed John McCargo right away, became a starter right away, and had a sensational career with Buffalo while John McCargo completely busted out. Again, I'm not saying that Kyrie Elam is John McCargo, certainly not at this point, but it's not promising. But the point of this is, whether he is or not, maybe Benford is that Kyle Williams. Maybe he's going to be that guy who comes in and becomes a really, you know, if not spectacular, a really solid uh, CB2. Anyway, I liked him a lot these last couple of weeks, so he's big-time winner um, in this category. Going back to the loser side, I got to say Andy Isabella. You know, he was a nice story for a while. Looked good at camp, looked good against the Colts in the preseason. Really didn't do much against Pittsburgh. Um, two catches for two yards on Saturday. But more importantly, he fumbled a punt. And that's just something you do not do on a Sean McDermott team. That has to drive Sean McDermott crazy. P or fumbling a punt. That's the equivalent to me, probably, how Sean McDermott would feel. That would be almost like last week when the Bills had an insane amount of penalties, stupid penalties, um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I think that fumble may have been the final nail. I'm not sure that he was... Maybe he, he was on the bubble. And maybe he still is on the bubble. I mean, maybe one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overreacting and one play was not that big of a deal. But if he was on the bubble before, this certainly didn't help his cause. So we're going to stick him in that category. One more for each side here. On the winning side, 
Uh, Quinnen Morris, I don't think his job was ever in jeopardy. I think he's the clear tight end three on this roster, but it's still nice to see him make plays. And that was a really nice um, route. And to be fair, a very nice throw from Kyle Allen on a 29-yard touchdown. Uh, Morris reached out, really nice grab. Like I said, he beat his guy by a step, a good throw, and uh, a nice catch. Nice to see him finish a long touchdown there. Look, the Bills are going to play a lot of 12 personnel. They're going to practice it a lot. Of course, that's going to mean almost exclusively it's going to be Knox and it's going to be Dalton Kincaid. But if something happens to one of those guys, you know, Quinton Morris is going to get plenty of opportunity. I don't think the Bills are going to completely switch an offense around if one of the two starting tight ends goes down. So there might be some opportunity for Morris to do some good things out there. And seeing that catch and seeing the game against Chicago um, on Saturday is, you know, it's a good start. It's good news for Morris. So he deserves to be in the winning category. And then on the losing one, and to be fair, this really doesn't have much to do with the Chicago game. This is kind of one of those totality summer things. I got Shaq Lawson here. It's not that he's played bad. Just been a really quiet summer in, in preseason for him. I feel like right now, and he had a chance maybe against Chicago to go out and have a big game and maybe move up the depth chart, but he didn't. He had one tackle on Saturday. I feel like there's a chance, not a great one, but there's at least a chance that Shaq Lawson could get cut. But let's assume he doesn't get cut. Let's assume he doesn't get cut. I feel as things stand right now, he's the last defensive end on this depth chart. That makes the roster. I mean, Vaughn Miller is making this team, obviously. I, I, I th- I'm almost, I'm very confident, I should say. He's going to start the season on Pup IR, miss the first four games. I think that's the way the Bills are going to go, and I think that's the way they should go. So you got Greg Rizzo, and you got uh, Leonard Floyd, and then you got Boogie Basham, and you got A.J. Vanessa. So even without Vaughn Miller, that's four defensive ends ahead of Shaq Lawson on this depth chart. When Vaughn comes back, that could very well mean Shaq Lawson. If everybody stays healthy, of course, Shaq Lawson could be that odd guy out if he's not already out in the next 24 hours or so. So anyway, I just, a very quiet, ho-hum, unimpressive summer, from at least in my eyes anyway, for uh, Shaq. I think he might have opened the door potentially for, for uh, Cameron Klein or, or Kingsley Jonathan, maybe one of those guys to be a, a surprise person or, or player who makes this uh, 53-man roster that we'll find out for sure on Tuesday. So anyway, that's my four biggest winners, four biggest losers, primarily from Saturday, but also, you know, just the preseason in its um, totality as well. Before we get out of here, like I said, I want to make my own quick little uh, roster projection. If you're watching this on the video side, I'm going to pull it up too. So I'll just run them off. Not going to take up a lot of your time and deep diving into many of these positions because quite frankly, I really don't have any uh, stunners. Although I will hit on a couple things that I think potentially, even if I don't predict them, things that I potentially could see happening. Um, Before that though, so late on Sunday, the Bills actually have started making cuts. As I record this late on Sunday night, these are official cuts. And by the time you actually listen or watch this sometime, hopefully on Monday, you'll probably hear more um, around the league or, or in terms of the Bills with players getting released. But these are official. There's um, seven that have officially been released. Cortez Broden, uh, the defensive tackle, a wide receiver, Isaiah Coulter, safety, Jared Maiden, uh, tackle, Garrett McGinn, who was just brought in last week. Uh, wide receiver, Desmond Patman, had a really good game um, against the Colts in the first preseason game, but obviously not enough 
Then stick around. A tight end, Jace Sternberger. Would not be surprised if he was brought back to the practice squad. And then a linebacker, Deshaun White, who was also just brought in over this past week. So the Bills brought in a couple guys over the last week or so, probably to get them some snaps and get them a quick little look for this last preseason game. Preseason game, but uh, none of them stuck around. So anyway, this is my 53-man Buffalo Bills prediction of what their roster is going to look like. We'll start on the offensive side. And again, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm pulling the graphic up right now. Quarterback, I got the Bills keeping two. Josh, of course. And then I got someone not on the current roster. I really think at the end of the day that Kyle Allen is going to get cut and probably end up on the practice squad. I think Matt Barkley might go to IR. He has an elbow injury. I'm putting him on IR. He make him some money. He's not making the active roster. I can tell you that. Um, if the Bills keep Kyle Allen, then Matt Barkley maybe gets cut and put on the practice squad. Depending on the severity of his injury, he could end up on IR um, any way you look at it. But I still feel like Brandon Bean is going to do something. And I keep going back, and I brought this up a couple weeks ago, actually. Case Keenum, it just, whether Houston cuts him if they don't keep three quarterbacks, or if they do, maybe Brandon can flip a future seventh to get him back here. He just knows the system. He knows the offense. And I don't think he's a great quarterback by any means. I don't think he's a guy who's going to be able to give you six to eight efficient weeks as a starter if something were to happen to Josh. But I do think he is 100% clearly better than uh, than Kyle Allen. So I'm going to go with Case Keenum. But I wrote, like I said, on my chart, a quarterback who's not on the roster. Running backs, I got four. The same as pretty much everyone else. Cook, Murray, Harris, Gilliam. Um, Damian Harris got his first snaps of the preseason on Sunday or Saturday, scored a touchdown. Not sure who's going to be that too. I'm pretty confident that James Cook is outright won that feature role. So again, no surprises there. No real surprises at wide receiver. Diggs, Gabe Davis, Trent Sherfield, who we talked about. Deontay Hardy, who looked pretty good in the slot on Saturday. Um, Justin Shorter. And I got Khalil Shakir making the team. I'll tell you though, it's at least potentially, I could see Khalil Shakir. Maybe the Bills start the season with only five receivers. Maybe they put him on IR and try to figure out what they want to do with him maybe four weeks from now. Um, he didn't play on Saturday because of an injury. Um, the He had a rib injury. Maybe they try to put him on IR. I don't know. But I don't think they're going to outright release him. Even though I'm not really high on Khalil Shakir right now, not as high as it was on him four to six weeks ago, quite frankly. I feel like if they were to cut him right now and put him on waivers, somebody is going to claim him. And I'm not sure they're ready to lose him quite yet. So whether it's IR or, or getting making the 53 and then getting put it on IR or just making the 53 and staying there, I think Shakir stays. Um, tight ends, Dawson Knox, Kincaid, Morris. I got those three. Offensive line, Deion Dawkins, McGovern, Morris, Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown. There's your starters. Um, backups, Ryan Bates, of course. David, Edward, David Edwards, who I like a lot of left guard. Ryan Vandemark, a guy who... It's expected, I think, for him to make the team now, but um, you know, a surprise overall from the summer. I don't think he was on many people's fifty-three man Bills roster radar maybe a month or so ago. I think he's going to make the roster. And then last, I got somebody not on the current roster. I know a lot. Most people are going to put David Quisenberry out there. I don't. I think the Bills, maybe even more than backup quarterback. I feel like Brandon Bean is going to go out, and we've already seen a couple trades um, on Sunday. Couple linemen get traded, depth guys. Um, I could see Brandon Bean going out in the next few days and doing something to 
add an offensive tackle to this roster. I feel like it's kind of important to uh, to find somebody who's an upgrade over Quisenberry. I'm not sure that you're ready to have Ryan Vandemark be your swing tackle, who, by the way, he's looked pretty damn good at left guard or left tackle and pretty damn shitty at right tackle so far uh, this summer. So I'm not sure he's your swing guy quite yet. So I can see the bill, and I, I just don't think David Quisenberry is it. So I, I feel pretty strongly that Brandon Bean is going to go out and he's going to do something there. Uh, all right, so let's move to the defense here. Defensive line, I got nine guys. Got Rizzo, Floyd, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Settle, Puna Ford, Jordan Phillips, AGF, and SL Boogie Basham. Let's be clear, too. Von Miller's making this team. I, my prediction is he makes the initial 53, and once the, the roster is finalized, then he gets put on IR. He's got to be put on IR after he makes, after cutdown, so that he'll only have to miss four games and not the entire season. But I do have, um, these are my nine, and I talked about a handful of minutes ago about Shaq Lawson potentially not being on this roster. I don't have him on this 53, but it's possible that they cut him and say, hey, just hang on in the parking lot for 24 hours and uh, go get some wings over at uh, the big tree or something like that because you'll be back in a few days. But they also could cut him. He's my one of my few mystery guys. And in this projection, even with Vaughn Miller, I got the Bills going with nine defensive linemen. A lot of people have him keeping 10. And in this scenario, I do not have Shaq um, on my roster. Linebackers, I got six. Matt Milano, Tyrell Dodson, Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, Tyler Matekovich, and A.J. Klein. Um, no real surprises here, especially when Spectre got hurt. I think that was the final nail for him. Um, I like Trayvon Howard a little bit, but the Bills, I, I just don't see them keeping him. Um, A.J. Klein might be one of those guys who, again, because he's a vested veteran, he can get cut and say, hey, just hang out here, and then you'll be back today. So he might not be the 53-man roster at 4 or 1 p.m. on Tuesday when it's official, but he'll be back uh, the next day. I'd be really surprised if they didn't, in part because of the injury to Terrell Bernard and him not being able to ramp up, and just Tyrell Dodson is just, I mean, what, what else is there to say? I just don't think he he's good enough to hold down this job. I also don't think AJ Klein is good enough to hold down this job. So let's hope that Terrell Bernard, when he gets healthy, is good enough to at least give them adequate starting middle linebacker play because they just ain't going to be getting it from Dodson or from Klein. Um, corners, I got six. Trey White, Christian Benford, Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, and uh, Saran Neal. And then in the safeties, I got Poyer, Hyde, Damar Hamlin, Taylor Rapp, Cam Lewis. So I guess the big, not a big, but one difference that I feel like is in my roster projections as opposed to a lot of other people is many people got the Bills keeping 10 DBs and then 10 defensive linemen, whereas I got them keeping 11 DBs and only nine defensive linemen. Um, I like I like Cam Lewis. I like him because of his versatility. I don't like him when he's got to play on the field and start. We saw what happened. In that Minnesota game last year, he really hurt the Bills a lot. But anyway, he could play outside corner. He could play some slot. He could play the safety position. And he's really good on special teams. I will point out something that a good buddy of mine, Tone Pucks, pointed out to me. We were talking on Sunday. And I don't want to say spoiler alert because not really out there yet. But uh, he's going to be Tone Pucks. My, my buddy's going to be back here doing some shows with me soon, but we'll talk about that another time. But anyway, his point was, I asked him for a couple of takes, like thoughts, you know, regarding this roster that maybe a lot of other people might not be thinking. And his was to me, 
that Demar Hamlin might not quite be a lock to be on this team because they like Cam Lewis's versatility. And also the coaches are pretty high and they do like Dean Marlowe. Now I'll be surprised if Demar Hamlin's not on the Buffalo Bills. I'm predicting he's going to make the team. But again, Cam Lewis's versatility, and if they really like Dean Marlowe more than they like Demar Hamlin, I don't know, man. I think it's a fair discussion and it's a fair point, but first of all, DeMar's looked pretty good. And I'll, at least from what we've seen with our eyes, physicality doesn't seem like it's a big problem. I haven't seen him make any major mistakes. He's looked pretty good against the run. Um, plus, I mean, you can't deny the PR side of it. If the Bills were to cut DeMar Hamlin, I feel like that would be a public relations absolute nightmare uh, for them. So. Don't see that happening. But anyway, going back through that roster, I got Shaq Lawson is probably the biggest name being cut. I don't think AJ Klein will ultimately, um, he'll get cut, but I think he's ultimately going to be on this roster. I could have a whole podcast about how disappointing it is to me that Dorian Williams didn't get more reps at middle linebacker. Of course, he didn't even play Saturday in Chicago because of a, a calf injury. But like I said, no big, uh, surprises. I got D Marlowe out. I got Shaq Lawson out and I got Annie Isabella out. But again, I wouldn't call any of those uh, surprises. So that's my roster prediction. Trent Shurfield, my summer MVP, Kyrie Elam, my uh, summer LVP, and then my big winners over this weekend and probably throughout training camp, Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown, Christian Benford, Quinton Morris. And then on the other end, Kyle Allen, Bray, Balen Spector, Annie Isabella, and uh, Shaq Lawson going to do it for today. I will be back on Wednesday. My man, Anthony Marino is going to join me from Buffalo Rumbling. So make sure you tune into that. Thank you all for listening and uh, talk to you real soon. Thanks guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.